Well, hey everybody, thank you so much for tuning in to Cultivate Church Online. It's Easter weekend. Come on, happy Easter. I'm so glad you're tuning in with us, wherever you're tuning in from. Thank you so much for being a part of our church online. It's been an incredible weekend. Good Friday worship together was incredible. Spending time with both campuses, taking communion together. It's been an incredible Easter weekend and we can't wait to share I can't wait to share the word with you this morning we're in a series we've titled a God who can just two weeks ago we started it with a God who can split the seas talked about the miracle of God in our lives and how we can see God perform those same kind of miracles in our life last week we talked about having the Sun stand still that there's a God who can who can cause the Sun to stand still he can stop the Sun and we talked about what does it look like for me to be able to see God do those things in my life? I know that there are people all over tuning in even today that, that need God to do those kinds of things in their own life. You need a moment in your life to take place that can only be explained by God. That's one of those moments when God caused the sun to stand still. We know that that wasn't even a proper, like scientifically we know it's 2022. The, the sun doesn't revolve around the earth. The earth revolves around the sun and we know yet God still caused it to happen. The sun stopped on its axis. I mean the, the earth stopped on its axis and didn't spin everybody out into the, the, the galaxy. He stopped it all. A miracle happened. And he, he conquered the nation and Joshua reigned victorious all because of God. All because he trusted God at his promise. He walked it out. He put feet to his faith. And he, and, he, and he saw God do more than he could ask, think, or imagine. And I believe that same thing is true for us. And today, as, as we continue into this series, we're going to be talking about a God who can save the sinner. Easter is a huge deal. It's a massive deal, but I would even venture to tell you that it's not just a once-a-year deal. The fact that we gather together every weekend here online, physically at both of our campuses, billions of people around the world gather every week all because of Easter. We celebrate the resurrection every week. That Jesus came, lived a perfect sinless life, died on a cross to reconcile us back to the Father. That's the Easter message. And we're celebrating it this weekend. We've been celebrating it all weekend. But really, Easter is an everyday experience. It's the gospel, God loving the world so much that in spite of us, He rescued us from our sins. And today, we're going to talk about a God who can. Of all the miracles that we've that we've seen all month long. Of all the big things that God has done and accomplished on this earth, documented historically, the incredible things that He's done, I would say that this is the biggest one. That He figured out a way that God in His kindness and His goodness and His grace and His mercy came, became a man, sacrificed Himself for you and for me. The miracle that we can be restored back to Him. It's a huge deal. Easter is big. And the Bible reminds us in Psalm 77, this is our theme verse, it says, What God is as great as our God? You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the people. And I don't know that there's ever been a greater display of God's power than ransoming us Ransoming His Son for our salvation and bringing Him back to life. 
Hundreds and hundreds of people, eyewitnesses, watching it happen. And today I want to talk to you about why Easter is such a big deal. There's a reason why we celebrate it. There's a reason why we make such a big deal about the resurrection. And I'm going to pray and we're going to dive in. I'm going to share with you that. And then I'm going to give you some good reasons, some good news today on this Easter weekend. So let's pray. Father, we love you. We're grateful for your word that it's alive and breathing and for us. It inspires us. It corrects us. It challenges us. Father, it equips us for every good work. I pray in your name, Jesus, that today is not just another day. It's not just another opportunity that we share your word together. But Father, it's a moment where we spend time with you. And that we walk away from this time in your word, knowing that we've been with you and inspired to live our life on purpose in a way that honors you. Jesus, thank you for everything you're doing in us and through us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, it's a big deal, number one, because life is short. That's why it's a big deal. Life is short. I know that we're conditioned to think that, that um, we're going to live forever. Come on, we're bulletproof. We live our lives as if there's... There's always going to be. The sun will come up tomorrow, right? Well, the Bible reminds us in James chapter 4, verse 13 and 14. It says, look here. You who say today or tomorrow we're going to go to a certain town and we'll stay there a year. We're going to do business there and make a profit. He says this. He says, how do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. He's reminding us. James is reminding us that we act as if we're, that, that this world is never going to end. This life is never going to end. That everything's, we can make all the plans that we want and live any way that we want. And he's saying, don't you know that your life, in one translation it says, is like a vapor. It's like the morning fog that's here one minute and gone the next. That's how quick our life ebbs by. Francis Chan's a, a pastor and uh, years ago, he brought this illustration. He talked with this illustration with a rope. And I thought it was in, in such an incredible uh, illustration as it relates to us seeing life through the lens of eternity. And he had this long rope, and he stretched it across uh, his church. And, and on one end of the rope was a small little round of tape, a strand of tape. And he said the rope represents, think of it as the rope extending on forever and never stopping. And that rope represents eternity. And the taped end, the little end of the rope, represents our time here on earth. And we're conditioned to think that it's just going to be so long that life takes forever. You remember being a small child and thinking, I'm never going to get to 16 years old where I'm going to drive a car. And then you turn 16 and you go, man, I just hope I can get to college and experience life. And man, I would love to, I could just get married and start a family. So many of us have thought those things and you think, man, I don't want life to end before I can experience those things. And we think that it's so far away. The older I get, the more I realize life just speeds by. And most people live their lives for the tape. Most people live their lives for that little bitty section of the rope. And we, we do all the things that we can do. We get a good education so that we can get a good career, so that we can make a lot of money, so that we can retire and enjoy that little bitty piece at the end of the tape. Not realizing that eternity is forever. Life is so short to only think in terms of this life. It's cliche, you hear it, YOLO, you only live once. 
But the truth is, we live all, we will never die. Eternity is forever. Life here is so short. We've seen it in the last few weeks here around Shelby County. We've seen a number of teenagers who have gone too early. Their lives taken from them tragically. We think as if they've had their whole lives ahead of them. But listen, listen. We are not promised tomorrow. We're not promised our next breath. Easter matters. It's important because life is short. Life is short. And there's a God who wants to save sinners. It's you and me. Number two, if you're taking notes, life is short and sin separates. Sin separates us. Absolutely, it separates us from God. It, but it separates us from so much more. It separates us from our true purpose. Oftentimes, it separates us from relationships that otherwise would be valuable and important in our lives. Sin is a devastating thing to humanity. Listen to what the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 64. We're all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they're nothing but filthy rags. Like autumn leaves, we wither and fall. And our sins sweep us away like the wind. Yet no one calls on your name or pleads with you for mercy. Because of this, therefore, you have turned away, and, uh, turned away from us and turned us over to our sins. You know, one of the things I've learned in my own faith journey and I've watched happen in so many people's lives is the primary problem with sin is how most people view sin. We don't necessarily view sin as a very bad thing. Most of us would consider ourselves to be decent people, good people. Our sin is never really a big deal. Now, someone else's sin, and you're bad and I'm good. Your sin is bad, my sin's not so bad. It's not that big of a deal. I'm not sinful, you are. My sin isn't bad. Jeffrey Dahmer, his sin is bad. He deserves hell, I don't deserve hell. I just need correction. I just need a little help along the way. But the problem is, that's not true. All sin separates us from God. We love to look at sin like an organizational chart, like a, like a, uh, like a, like a chart where, where my sin's little, but someone else's sin may be really tall or really big, or someone else's sin may be a, a much larger piece of the pie, but God doesn't see sin that way. God sees all sin. You know, if you look back in Genesis, it wasn't some horrific, heinous crime that separated humanity from God, was it? No. Nobody, nobody was murdered. There was no insane, crazy thing that was done. It was simple disobedience that caused Adam and Eve to be separated from God and to have to leave the garden that allowed sin to enter the world and take root into mankind's heart and to grow and manifest into larger, greater parts of pieces of sin. But it's all separating us from God. Sin burns away every bit of hope that we have in this life. And far too many of us view our sin as little and we don't recognize that it has separated us from God. So we're living life as if our sin hasn't pointed us to an eternity apart from God. 
We live our life as if our life isn't short and we're separating ourselves from God, living in our sin that we don't think is that big a deal. Except it is. And the reason it's, the reason it's valuable, here's the crazy thing, is life is short, sin separates. Number three, eternity is short. Eternity is short. God is great. We serve a God who can save sinners. The bad news is, that's us. We are all sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. None of us can separate ourselves from the, from the reality of sin. There's no immunity from the consequence of sin in our own ability. And eternity is short. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27 says this, And just as each person is destined to die once, and after that comes judgment. After that comes eternity. And so also Christ was offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. Eternity is coming. Say that again. Eternity is coming. It is sure. It's not a maybe. It's not a hope so. It's not a, may, a, a might be. It is absolutely sure that on the other side of the tape, the rope is coming. And the truth is, the rope should be our hope. We should view every day through the lens of eternity. Now I want to share with you two things about eternity. Eternity speaks, the Bible speaks of eternity in two different scenarios. One is a place called heaven that Jesus talked about in John chapter 14 that He said, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am you may be also. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it weren't true, I wouldn't have told you so. He talks about this incredible place called heaven where He will wipe away all tears and there'll be no pain and no sorrow and no hurt and no sin. It's an incredible future that we have ahead of us as followers of Jesus. But it also mentions another piece of eternity and it's called a place, it's a place called hell. And this is a place that God has created, not for you and not for me, but it was created for the devil and his angels, the devil and his demons. And unfortunately, there will be people who reject the gospel, who reject Jesus, who find themselves in a place that God never intended for them to go. Because He wants to save sinners. But sin is our ticket into hell. And apart from the grace of God in our lives, it's where we will end up. Eternity is sure. What am I living for now? Am I living for the tape? Come on, is my life made up and my, all of my energy, is it expelled on a daily basis, day in and day out, month in and month out, year in and year out? Am I living for the here and the now? Or am I looking at my life in view of eternity? There's far more to life than this life. The rope should be our hope for a future. Are we looking at life through the lens of eternity? And there's good news as it relates to Easter. This is the hope of the Gospel. That there is a God who can save sinners. How does He do that? Number one, if you're taking, continue right down these notes. Number one, He is pursuing us. God is pursuing us. You need to know this today, that there's a God in heaven that loves you more than you could dream or imagine. 
that before the time you were born, God pursued you. God is pursuing you. Listen to what it says in Romans chapter 5, verses 6-8. through 8. It says, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would be willing to die for an uh, would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God demonstrated his He showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. What does that mean, Brandon? It means before I even knew that I needed a Savior. That's many people today. Even when you don't understand that you needed a Savior, God foresaw you. He saw you. He sees you. And Jesus went to the cross for you. He's pursuing you. Here's what I know. God doesn't just pursue our eternity. He's pursuing us today. If you were to open your eyes, if God could miraculously lift the veil uh, for many of your eyes, you would notice that God places people in your path daily to point you to Him. He puts you in circumstances and situations all the time that would hopefully point you to Jesus. You need to know that even in your unbelief, even in your anger or your disinterest in Jesus, even, even in your moments of frustration and lack of even desire to want to know Him, He is pursuing you. As long as you're breathing, there's going to be opportunity for you to turn back to Him. For you to be a sinner that God saves. For all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. And we need a God to pursue us. Number two, if you're taking these notes, you need to write down, He's changing us. The good news is God is changing us. I love 2 Corinthians 5.17. It's one of my favorite passages as it relates to the gospel. Because it means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. I often think and thank God that I'm not where I want to be, but man, I'm so grateful I'm not where I used to be. That my old life was left. I left it behind. But you need to know this. Read the scripture. It says a new life has begun. I know that so many people think, well, if I trust God, that I've got to have everything together right now, right here. That it's all got to, it's like a, a switch that's flipped and all of a sudden everything it's changed. No, no, no. It says that you've begun a new life. Change happens incrementally, step by step. Little tweaks lead to high peaks. The world changes when I choose to change. You ever look around on social media and the local news and around the world and we think the world has lost its mind. I wish somebody would do something about that. Well, you know, that somebody is you and that somebody is me. The world changes when I choose to change my world. Change is hard at first because it's difficult to commit to something that's going to bring change. It takes commitment. It's messy in the middle because you're going to mess it up. You're not always going to get it right. But if you hold fast to change, if you allow the power of God through the work of Jesus to begin to shape you and mold you, it is beautiful in the end. Change happens. Change in me changes the world. I love this statement. Life doesn't happen by chance. It happens by change. It doesn't get better by chance. It gets better by change. Here's the question. Are you willing to let go of the past 
And allow God to shape what's next in your future through new life in Jesus. God, if you'll allow Him, will bring change into your life. We serve a God who makes all things new. And I love this. The last one I'll share with you today is God is resurrecting us. On this Easter weekend, I know that there are so many people that are not only walking through spiritual death, they don't know who Jesus is. You don't have an authentic relationship with Jesus maybe. But maybe there are some other things that you think have died in your life. I love this passage in Mark chapter 16. It's, a, it's the Easter story and Jesus had already been crucified. He had already been buried in a borrowed tomb. And it says, Saturday evening when the Sabbath had ended, Mary Magdalene and the mother of Mary, the mother of James went out and purchased burial spices so that they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way there, they were asking each other, who's going to roll the stone away from the entrance to the tomb? They were talking about how they were going to even get to Jesus. But as they arrived, they looked up and they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. And they were shocked. See, I looked up this, this story, I looked up the, the reason behind the burial spices. And the main reason a dead body was anointed with spices was to control the smell of decomposition. Jews didn't practice embalming and the funeral spices were a way to help minimize the unpleasant smells. So the fact that these two women went and purchased burial spices, got up early on in the morning and, and walked all the way to the tomb to put it on the body is an indication that they didn't even believe that Jesus would physically come back from the dead. They thought He was dead. Jesus had told His disciples and He had told His followers over and over and over that He was going to come back from the dead. He was going to die on the cross for the sins of the world and He would rise again. Yet none of them believed Him fully. And here's my question for you today. What dead things are in your life that you're just covering up with the proverbial burial spices? You've gone through so much hurt in your life, so you cover that up. So much, so much difficulty in your early life. There was abuse or there were circumstances that happened. And you cover all of that up from going, by going from relationship to relationship to relationship. Those are burial spices. You're trying to cover up the hurt inside with an outward portrayal of success in that area of your life. Maybe success just isn't good enough for you. And maybe you always having to do just a little bit more, work a few more hours, get a little bit more money, show, get that one more vehicle, one more home, one more vacation home, a little bit more success, and somebody will see that I've made it. And you've got some burial spices you're rubbing on your own life. Come on, what are you trying to cover up? What dead things in your life are you in your own strength really not fully believing that God could resurrect? What has died in your own life for one reason or another that God in His own power can save, can rescue, can resurrect that you just haven't trusted? Here's, I, here's what I know. The, if you look at the account in John, the women left. In the Gospel account in John, they left that moment where they saw the tomb rolled away and they walked in front, they walked, they bumped into physical Jesus. And they didn't even recognize Him. Listen to me. 
If I'm not careful, I can bump into a resurrected Jesus and I'll miss him because I'm too focused on the dead things in my life. It was Jesus himself. He had resurrected and he was he, as he had promised and they didn't even see him. How many times, how many of us are missing Jesus now because we're so focused on what we think are dead things in our life? I'm going to read this final piece of scripture to you. It's in Mark 16, verses 5 through 7. It's the angel that met Mary's, the Marys there at the tomb. He says, When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in white robes, sitting, clothed in a white robe, sitting on the right side. The women were shocked, but the angel said, Don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You'll see him there just as he told you before he died. Come on, what an incredible passage of Scripture. The angel is there and he's declaring that he is risen from the dead. This is the moment. They went there not believing that he was resurrected and right before they, their eyes they were told the tomb was empty. And you know that even when they walked out of that place, they still were wondering what happened to the dead thing. I want you to know today that there's nothing in your life that God can't resurrect. There's nothing that you've tried to cover up. There's nothing that you've tried to stop the stink of in your own life, proverbial burial spices, that God can't resurrect. He can turn your mess into a message, your test into a testimony. All of these things are cliche, but I want you to know today that there's a God in heaven that can save the sinner. He can restore broken things. There is nothing in your life that can separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. And today's your day that you could meet Him, the resurrected King, maybe for the first time. And I don't want you to miss Him so focused on the things that didn't meet your expectations at points in your life. This is your moment to meet Jesus and know Him and the power of His resurrection in your life. How many, how many of you have gone on to plan B, plan C, plan D. Keep on going. And it's just not working out. You know that's what happened to Peter. Peter did the same thing. There's a reason why Jesus said, go tell the disciples and Peter. The Bible reminds us in John chapter 21 that, G that Peter said, I'm going fishing. G he saw Jesus die on the cross and he went back to what he was doing before Jesus found him. And I'm venture to say that there's many people tuning in today whose expectations have not been met. And you think it's God's fault. You think it's the Lord. God, why would you let this happen? Why would you have allowed my marriage to fail? Why would you have allowed this career to falter? This business decision to go south? This relationship to go bad? I'm just going to go back to what I knew before. And Jesus, in His, in His resurrection power, knew that he was calling Peter back to himself. And today, maybe you're on to plan B or plan C, but I want you to know that there's not a plan you could go to that Jesus couldn't call you back to himself. So right where you are, I want to pray with you. Maybe that's you today. You're tuned in from wherever you are, via podcast or YouTube or whatever, and the Spirit of God is touching your heart to come back to him.
to let go of the burial spices, to let go of the dead things that you perceive to be dead, that God is a God of resurrection. And because he got out, because he was resurrected, the whole purpose of resurrection is to save lost things. We serve a God who can save the sinner. That's you and that's me. Aren't you thankful today for the grace of God through the blood and sacrifice of Jesus? So you would simply say, Father, forgive me of my sin. And I'm so sorry. I've done it in my own strength, my own ability, my own ways. But the day I recognize that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. I need Jesus to resurrect the things in my life that I, through my own ability, have attempted to do for so many times, so many years in my own strength. But today, Jesus, I accept you as my Savior. And from this day forward, I'm going to follow you as my Lord. Thank you for salvation. And Father, I pray for every other person tuned in, listening, via podcast or online some way. God, that whatever's going on in their life, whatever dead thing that's been in their own life that they've tried to cover up, that they've tried to masquerade, but Father, that you would remind them today that you are a God of resurrection. Because you were resurrected, Jesus, you can resurrect the things in our life that we perceive to be dead. And so God, we don't hold on to those things. We're not trying to cover up those things today on Easter we, ex we accept your grace. We accept your purpose in our own life. And we ask in your name that you would guide us, direct us, point us, the, point us in the right way, and that you would get all of the honor out of our lives. In Jesus' name.